Today's guest is the one and only Will Paisley, who is the co-chair of the Graduate Student Council. Hi, Will. Yes, of course. Hi, my name is Will Paisley. I belong to the Navajo and Blackfeet Nations. I'm Two-Spirit. I am currently a co-terminal master's student in the Policy Organization Leadership Studies Program in the Graduate School of Education, as well as one of the co-chairs of the Graduate Student Council. Thank you for having me here today. Nice to hear your voice. Would you mind talking a little bit about your experience with the ASSU and what brought you here? Oh, I would love to. So I've had quite a extensive career with the ASSU. So I'm class of 2020 undergrad, and I first got involved with the ASSU my sophomore year as part of the executive cabinet. I was, at the time, I was called the co-lead for community centers and diversity. And on that, in that role, I worked collaboratively with Celia Chen and Carson Smith uh, for alongside uh, many other amazing um, community act activists and advocates to work for increased proper funding for the community centers, which never fully recovered after the 2008 recession, um, and also have been just systemically underfunded at Stanford for many, many, I mean, since time immemorial. And as simultaneously, I was working for Stanford Student Enterprises, SSE, which is a financial side of the ASSU, as a, what was at the time a banking associate or now a capital group associate for Capital Group, which is the student-run branch of SSE that manages all the financial assets and transactions for this over 700 voluntary student organizations on campus. And then after my sophomore year, I was director of Capital Group my junior and senior years. I worked full-time at ASSU over the summer of my sophomore year, uh, working alongside the accountants, the CEO of SSE at the time, Jelani, the business operations manager at the time, Lomo, who would later become CEO for two years, who I worked directly under and is now one of my most valued mentors and very close friend. And in that role, I developed all the trainings that VSO leaders have to take to be able to use the granted platform. So I apologize to anyone listening who do, who uh, does not enjoy the sound of my voice, <laughs> who's been forced to undergo the trainings I designed. And also I led the implementation team for granted. So what was your favorite part of working with the ASSU and SSE? Yeah, so my favorite part has just largely been the people, the culture, and kind of the kindness. So I've made many social connections and friends through ASSU. I've had amazing opportunities for professional development. So my um, kind of experience with the university admin has been very close because of working, because of my role in Capital Group. Um, I know administrators in pretty much almost every graduate school uh, from working to help manage their uh, their related student group finances. Um, I have a very intimate knowledge of university financial structure at this point from that role. And just in general, the culture of ASSU in recent years has become incredibly diverse and inclusive. And as an indigenous person, I've felt very um, valued in the space of the ASSU and was very ha excited this year to lead my capital group management team, which was entirely uh, BIPOC and after my departure is now entirely BIPOC and women, which I'm very, very happy about. That is pretty awesome. If I remember correctly, you participate in various cultural groups around campus. How do you feel like the culture, both in the ASSU and just on campus in general, has changed as a result of COVID? Oh, God. I mean, everything. 
So I think, well, you know, just this rapid transition to the virtual world, none of us were ready for. Um, so I think spring quarter is very much an experiment for the undergrad world, um, which, you know, was a big challenge, especially as so much of leadership comes from the senior class in the undergrad realm. And, you know, kind of that spring quarter environment was very hard to foster people saying engage in activities and, um, you know, still do still leading in ways when kind of the world was just ripped out the the rug of Stanford as their world was ripped out from under their feet. Um, and yeah, I think it's just been a cost, constant adjustment for everyone to ease into kind of this indefinite virtual space and still trying to find and foster community through that. Um, but luckily we've been playing, we've been in this experiment now for God, five or six months. So I think we've all been able to learn a lot and can look forward to trying to still find ways to be engaging as we move forward. So do you have any advice then for freshmen or incoming students who are looking to find friend groups and cultural groups to join? Yeah, so my message is kind of interesting in terms of, so I was the convocation speaker for the class of 2023. I um, was on the stage at convocation and welcomed them to Stanford and encouraging them, you know, to find community. And that's kind of the beauty of Stanford. You can find many different communities to be a part of, um, opt in, opt out. And so the challenge with this upcoming world is, you know, our incoming freshmen, especially in transfers, will not have the opportunity to see the campus as a space where you can physically gather and build community through those social interactions, which can, are very organic. And, you know, a large part of the undergraduate experience is also the residential experience, which I will very much attest to from my role in staffing a co-op EBF for two years. Um, you can't really, you know, replace that with a virtual space. So my advice to them is to stay hopeful. Um, know that the Stanford that I hope they can come to love could someday will hopefully be will eventually be available to them um, someday. And try and find value within this experience. But also, I do want to acknowledge that it's okay to not be excited. It's okay to be scared. And it's okay to really, you know, find space to grow in this time because I, to be honest, could not imagine being a freshman trying to find independence in an academic setting online while still living at home um, and not having the kind of, you know, formative experience of leaving home to go to school. Um, so my message is just be hopeful and know that this isn't forever. Um, and that there's something better over the horizon, even if we can't see it yet. Um, so let's move on okay. then to the GSC. Would you mind talking a little bit about what it is for the students who aren't aware? Yeah, so the GSC is the Graduate Student Council and one or two representatives from every single graduate school alongside at-large representatives. There are 15 counselors in total. The two co-chairs are included in that and we are elected internally. The Graduate Student Council serves as the advocacy body for the graduate student body and the uh, representative in student government for graduate students. Um, it is very closely related to the undergraduate Senate in terms of how it works, um, in terms of being able to pass legislation, put that up to the faculty Senate, and work collaboratively with our constituents in different graduate student bodies alongside our other relatives in the undergraduate realm 
to advocate for students' needs. And, you know, the positionality of the Graduate Student Council gives us access to different, to have these very, you know, important conversations with administrators that can kind of be inaccessible to other students um, and also allows us to kind of form this collective sense of power and responsibility by having representatives from each school who all have very diverse experiences and also, you know, range so much in age and, um, you know, so per se, like I'm 22, <laughs> you know, and a new graduate student, but I serve on the graduate student council with some people who are fourth and fifth year PhDs in their programs. So they've been around Stanford for a while. So we all bring very unique and diverse perspectives to the table, which allows us to be a very, um, you know, fast moving and effective body when needed. That's pretty awesome. How closely do you work with the other branches of the ASSU? So we interact with the undergraduate senate um, in the context of passing joint resolutions when when desired for shared interests uh, that can be elevated to the faculty senate. As well, we work with exec, um, mostly the co-chairs, myself and Kari Barclay, work with the exec committee um, on different issues. We really relay, it's mostly information sharing um, and also shared advocacy efforts. Um, so the largest role, a big role I play in terms of being co-chairs, I connect my counselors with different representatives from the ASSU in terms of, and outs, and admin um, and other students who may not be hold an official ASSU role to do their own projects and work on their own issue areas. So what has the GSC been up to this summer then? So it's been a lot of transition, you know. Um, so we were elected obviously over Zoom. <laughs> Uh, we are, we've only ever met over Zoom. We've never been able to meet in person and, you know, make that real sense of um, community. But I think we've done very well in terms of setting the foundation for this next year. So summer, you know, is an off period, uh, despite COVID being how it is. Um, we've been meeting every three weeks. We now meet every other week and we will be meeting every week starting this year. And once we start the school year, we'll be making our long-term plans and goals for this upcoming year, as well as um, implementing more kind of structure um, because we are working with a new model that has never existed before. So yeah. And then in terms of issue areas, big things on the table have been international student advocacy, um, which has been largely uh, ignored by the university admin in a lot of ways, I feel. Um, and we want, I want to express my dear, deepest sympathies and s support and sentiments of solidarity to our international student populations who um, have a lot of anxiety right now over the current state of affairs. And as well, we now have the Graduate Student Compact. Uh, obviously, advocacy around racial justice and Black Lives Matter, we recently passed four resolutions last week uh, related to Black Lives Matter. And we were going to pass a fifth one, but we ran out of quorum right over, right at the end, because, you know, we ran out of time, because facilitating uh, votes over Zoom is really fun. Let me tell you that. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's kind of a quick overview, but stay tuned really for fall i would say uh once we're really in the thick of the year and we'll be having to react very very dynamically to this these evolving circumstances so are your meetings open to the public and how can people get in touch with the gsc well i'm glad you asked so yes all meetings are open to the public over zoom um so you know you can have your lovely little box hiding um, in one corner of the screen. Um, <laughs> kidding. But yeah, that's you know how it would be. And so the GSC has, we post our meet, Zoom, we, 
the Zoom link should be posted on the ASSU website. If not, I'll have to update that. And if you can't access a Zoom link, oh, so, so for context, we meet on Wednesdays from 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific time. Um, and the Zoom link is accessible to anyone. The password is linked in our agenda. It's sent out, the agenda is sent out every week to our GSC uh, hyphen internal list and are also GSC hyphen members at Sanford at list.sanford.edu where you can subscribe as a graduate student to get updates from the graduate student council. Um, and yeah, so the only times they aren't open to the public is when we have closed sessions, which are pretty rare. Um, it's just for internal matters, but those are listed on the agenda. And as well, we usually have a daily reporter at every meeting um, who updates, um, posts articles on the daily the next day about what's been happening. Awesome. So one thing I wanted to touch on is um, I know in recent years that housing and food supplies have been an issue for grad students. Um, how have those been impacted by COVID? Yeah, I mean, so EVGR, the Escondido Village Graduate Residencies, um, I've heard this so many times, but they are the largest capital project that the university has ever undertaken, I believe. And so those just open. So ironic, so actually, ironically, through COVID, there is now an abundance of on-campus housing. Um, so any grad student can really access that if they'd like. Um, but there's a lot of people, you know, choosing to stay home or live in other areas um, for this upcoming academic year, unless they were required to be on campus for you know certain academic purposes or uh, career purposes. And house food insecurity has always been a big issue for graduate students. So there is the uh, the food pantry that's run by R&DE, um, which sources local foods um, for free use by our popu graduate populations who need it. And that's continued to run throughout the summer. Something that they found is that people don't like chicken. <laughs> so they always have an overabundance of chicken. Um, and for that, we always get updates from R&DE every week who come to our meetings. What are you hoping to do after you leave Stanford? Oh, yeah. So I um, will either try and work in development or fundraising at hopefully a native organization um, somewhere here or the East Coast. I'd like to have something new. I'm from the Seattle area. Um, I'd love to work at the National Museum of the American Indian um, or in Indian Affairs in D.C., either for the um, committee for Washington State or Montana, because I'm very, I'm Blackfeet and um, very, very passionate about Indian affairs and indigenous issues and policy areas. And plus my degree is technically policy-based. Well, that sounds amazing. We are running out of time right now, but do you have one piece of advice for Stanford faculty or one thing that you wish that they would work on? Hmm. You're asking a big question for someone who's seen a lot. Um, I would say, listen, just take more time. Really listen to listen, not just to students, but listen to each other, listen to other administrators. The beauty and the curse of Stanford is our decentralized bureaucracy and information is really siloed in different spaces and the collaboration between departments or therefore the lack of, I, more properly, the lack of collaboration between departments has just led to incredible issues and cannot really be, it can't continue this way for uh, throughout COVID um, at the detriment of students' needs and well-being. So my advice to administrators who, many of whom I know very personally and closely, 
is just listen <laughs> and slow down at points. Um, and we need to approach the student body with more empathy rather than punitiveness. And that's my message as the J.E. Wallace Sterling Award winner um, from the Alumni Association. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Will. Yes, of course. Thank you for having me, Cricket. The J.E. Wallace Sterling Award is given by the Stanford Alumni Association to a senior every year whose impact through leadership and volunteerism have been the most positive on the Stanford community. Past recipients have included Loma Phillips, who won the award in 2017 and was the previous CEO before Kevin, and last year's um, award winner was Will. So congratulations. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And if you have any feedback, please feel free to email it to communications at assu.stanford.edu. Thanks so much and have a good one. Thanks.